Welcome back to Tears, Tides, and Transformation, a podcast about healing. I am Bridget Flaherty. And I am Kiana Daniels. So today, Bridget, we are going to get into a conversation, an interview with the great Sierra Leone, who is an award-winning poet. She is also a serial entrepreneur. She does so much amazing things in the community with the arts and entrepreneurship and spoken word. It is such an honor and a joy to be here this afternoon. I show up in this world in so many different ways, but first and foremost, I would say as a child of God. And for me, my relationship with the father and mother is absolutely everything to me. I would say in this region, most folks know me as the executive director of Oral Funk Poetry Productions and the artistic director of Signature Educational Solutions. And it is through those two companies that my partner, Nate Leon, and I have developed other companies to support those two. But those are our two leading companies. And the others are amazing organizations that I'm excited to get into with you a little later on. But as a poet, a healer, my first love, a mother, and so many more other things as well. So I met Sierra, I believe, Probably either in 2017 or 2018, when I first moved back to Dayton, I met her at a Shiro event that Juanita Michelle puts on annually to recognize women in the community. She is the owner of Third Perk Coffee and Wine Bar. And I remember when I met Sierra, we were sitting at the same table. And I just remember feeling like, man, this is such a force. She has a presence and I would love to get to know her. We didn't really get to know each other during that time, but that was our first meeting. And then we connected as entrepreneurs as she was doing the work. She found out about many of my projects. But in this particular case, I had the opportunity to take a deeper dive into my relationship with her. And she was going through a tough time with her partner. (laughs) They were having some differences and working through them. And they came for support and I was able to extend (laughs) some support to them by giving them a few assignments. We knew that they wanted to continue or try to figure things out if they wanted to. And they received a homework assignment to really uncover the truth in their relationships and some of the lies that (laughs) they had been living. That was tough. They didn't particularly care for that or me. She called me. I was at a football game. I recall with my son. (laughs) And she's like, I need to talk to you right now. (laughs) And I'm like, well, I'm at the game. (laughs) My son's playing. He's doing good. She wasn't concerned about my son and what was happening. She was concerned about, am I really serious about her taking three and four days to actually process all of this and not go out with friends and... (laughs) sit with how she's going to move forward and her next steps and this whole series of questions and relationship development and were they being honest about what they were wanting to do as a team. And she really hated it. She hated me in that moment (laughs) for making her do it. 
And then when we got to the meat of things and to the part of the conversation where we needed to get to the bottom of what the next steps were going to be, they both were able to show up. And it was a powerful moment. It didn't turn out the way we thought it would, but it definitely took both of them to places where they could be better human beings. And as they move forward in relationships, I just know it's going to be powerful because they healed each other and did their healing work for themselves. And it mattered. That's the way I'm going to tell the story, Keith. (laughs) Intense version of the story. Definitely, but that push... The push to sit still and do the work more, to really sit in it, was so necessary and so helpful. And it was painful, but enlightening. And it really contributed to my healing and really to the creation of this podcast, to be 100% honest. Being able to be held accountable to sit in it, as uncomfortable as it was. So I'm just grateful for that. I am so honored to have had that journey with you both. I think sometimes we need a third person, someone to help us really see. And I think what it does is it saves human beings from trauma, from more text and misunderstandings and arguments and things that we cannot take back. And it was so clear, so clean and crisp because you both did the work. There were no lies to be told. You only could stand in your truth. And in that truth, you knew what actions you needed to take, whether you wanted to take them or not, whether you needed to restart again later. You knew what you needed to do and you knew what you had to do. And that was tough, but it did not take a lot of hurting each other before you came to that discovery. And I think that is the part for me that I want to see more of that you can separate from something and someone and be better, and they're better. And I think that's important. I'm so glad to hear that that healing led from one thing to another and to this very podcast. If she had not held me accountable and challenged me to sit in that uncomfortableness in my truth about myself, about how I show up and what I need to do differently to have a different result, this podcast today, you and I, I would not even be able to show up the way that I show up today. So I am so grateful for Sierra and her services as a healer and being able to have that experience personally, which is why I was so ecstatic to bring her on the show so that she can share her own journey of healing and then how she helps other people. So it was definitely worth not liking her then because I love her now. (laughs) Well, that's a powerful introduction. That's a powerful story. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. So one of the questions we always ask our guests is, you know, what does healing look like for you? And because Sierra is a poet, she recited a very beautiful poem. If you don't mind, I'll read a short poem that I wrote about that very question. It's entitled Love and the Light to My Inner Critic. I am an emotional introvert. The rhythm of life almost swallowed me whole. I am holding what I love in the light forgiving myself for all matters I have left unattended. I am taking deep breaths and using my spiritual tools, giving thanks, praises, gratitude, because everything is as it should be. I am a freedom fighter's granddaughter, legacy shifted. 
I am a divine message delivered, healing in a jar. I am kin to wisdom rooted in feminine energy emerging from muddy waters. I am slowly embracing mortality like a blue lotus in morning fullness. That is what healing is to me. Wow, that was beautiful. Thank you. That was really beautiful. How did that poem come out of you? What triggered that poem when you wrote it about healing? The poem was triggered by wanting to heal, realizing that it is impossible to serve others if I am broken, if I am struggling with my own inner peace. And it absolutely is out of integrity to try to support other people while struggling intensely with the same things. And so I wanted to have a conversation with my inner critic and it became antidote for my negative thoughts and thinking. Because when the negativity goes unchecked, it just manifests into so many things like anxiety, depression, just absolute unhappiness. And so for me, this is a way when my monkey mind gets the best of me or I'm completely disconnected from my center and realizing that I'm on the same journey as everyone else. It's a process. It's okay to be dealing with thoughts. They are fleeting. They are like the clouds. They're going to pass. But in this moment, I need to get a hold of them (laughs) and do something about it. And so this poem came because as a poet, it supported me with saying, hey, I can just say this poem and I'm Line. The polarity is there. I'm centered. I'm right there in the isness of it all. And that's healing for me. Yes, isness. That's a new word for me. I love that. Oh, the yeah. isness. Yes, that's my thing. That's my jam. If you're in the isness of it, you're in the center. You're not stuck over there hot. You're not too cold. You're right in balance with you. So that's where I try to operate is in my isness, in that, the, the very essence of who I am and my rhythm. And so that's healing for me to be in my rhythm. And when I'm not in my rhythm, I am compromised. (laughs) (laughs) Sitting in it sometimes, because when we sit in it, when we give ourselves that permission to sit in it, we can feel it. And that lets us know we don't want to feel this anymore. So it is very pertinent that we do the work to get to the other side of this feeling. And so when she shared that about her own journey, I thought that was pretty profound and actually very responsible as a healer in being able to help other people. I love that on a couple different layers. The idea of it is what it is and allowing ourselves to feel it rather than trying to distract with other things is extremely powerful and critically important. I also found poetry in my healing not nearly on any kind of level, even close to Sierra, but what I found with poetry is the act of looking for the right words and looking for the rhythm and looking for the way to express either the pain or the healing process really does force you to be present because you're taking the time to feel the feelings and then put them into words in a way that is acceptable for a stage or for a writing. And that forces you to sit, which is what you're describing, right? The first poem that I ever wrote 
after I began my healing journey and I performed on stage was called Endure the Suffering. That was the name of the poem. And it was about this concept of choosing suffering because I was taught that suffering was holy. But in order to write that poem, I had to relive the experiences and then find the right words for them. And it's so powerful to take the time to do that. I really resonate. Again, I'm, I'm not sharing that poem and you can't find it out there anyway, <laughs> because for me, it was the process. But it is really powerful to take the time to really sit in it and write about it. Absolutely. And putting words to the things that we're feeling is also helpful in us getting to a place of being able to articulate what we're feeling and what needs to change. It puts me in the mindset of write it down, make it clear. If you have a plan, write it down, make it clear so that you can actually bring it to fruition. The same thing is true with being able to put name and words to the things that we are feeling, experiences that we have had so that we can move past it. I absolutely love that poetry and writing and various outlets are helpful in us releasing what's on the inside that's blocking us up. So it is a beautiful process. I asked Sierra how she moved to action on the things that she talked about in her poem about healing. And she recounted a conversation with a friend who held her accountable. And we talk about accountability all the time, which is so necessary. Self-accountability and giving others permission to hold us accountable so that we can be our best selves. I was speaking to a friend. She was asking me for support and advice. And I was just channeling spirit as always, just being myself. And she said, there are so many women floundering and dying and losing out because you refuse to step forward and do your work. Instead of just having a bushel over your light, instead of taking whatever messages that your divine spirit has given to you and is being channeled through you or showing up through your light and your life and your poetry and your work. Maybe you should do something about it. And being a person who believes that, I believe sometimes just to a fault that you should have a skill set before you're showing up to do the work. <laughs> Unlike my youngest son who feels that he can just drive and do everything. He's nine. He feels he's equipped already. <laughs> he doesn't need any, anything. So I wish I had a spirit some days. But in that work, I found that I wanted to do more and I wanted to do better. And I have been on this journey for years, taking classes, going to workshops, being in a spiritual community. It had developed slowly and it was just with ease. It was once a quarter here, or I attended a Wonder Woman weekend hosted by Yala Van Zandt and her God Squad. And it was so many little things along the way. And then speaking with my husband and my own personal community and deciding that I wanted to go to spiritual school. Um, I had been doing the work, but I wanted to get tools and skills and uh, really see a full frame where I could support myself and show up for me when I'm triggered, how can I still be there for others? And that's what put me on that journey. They called it common sense when I was a child, but I've always been intuitive, very aware, and just knew what to do, how to do it, when to do it, where to do it, and who to do it with. I've always been that way my whole life, and it's come so natural that I just thought everyone was that way for a very long time. 
if Sierra's friend had not said those words to her, and because she was a trusted friend, of course, she was able to receive it. But if she had not held her friend accountable, Sierra might not have taken the leap to really surrender to the process of her healing that she needed to do for her to truly step into her purpose. Comes back to how important it is for us to have a community, a group of women, a group of people that we know that we are safe with, who are also on this healing journey and who will hold us accountable in a way that is impactful, that we'll get through, that we can accept. So important, so critical. It really is. And having those friends who hold us accountable to be our best and to walk in our purpose, I think it's one of the dopest things. It's a hard thing to do because people say they want to be held accountable. And then when you hold them accountable, they get upset. So there's a bit of tough love there. But I want all of my friends, all the people in my life, if they feel comfortable enough and if we have a great relationship to hold me accountable, I want people to point out my blind spots so that I can improve or rectify a situation. A lot of times when we're operating in trauma, we are projecting onto other people and we are also the person that's in the way of us getting to the other side. And when we have loving individuals in our lives, regardless of what they look like, how they show up, when we have those people who are present in our lives, they really help us on this healing journey. So doing it alone is very difficult and it probably takes a little bit longer. But yes, absolutely. Tribes and villages and safe spaces where we are all doing the work and being able to hold each other accountable is so necessary for the journey. And Sierra's friends saying that to her put her healing into overdrive because she was right. As a holistic healer who helps others, it is counterproductive to help others heal if she first hadn't taken the time to do it for herself. It was acknowledged that she had some traumas that she needed to heal and that she wanted to support her in that. And I think all of those things together helped Sierra to really surrender to the process and do her healing so that she could fully step into that. And I'm a person who's actually received her gifts. And I'm grateful that she did her healing. I think that there's so much power in that. The healing journey is very much a personal journey. But I think often when we do this work, it's like we want to welcome people to come with us, right? Like just wade through that river of darkness because over here it's amazing, I'm telling you. But the truth is that process, we did not do it alone. All of us had people that we can point to along the journey that said, let me give you a hand or let me give you some guidance or that's exactly where I've been before. And once we get to a point where we feel secure in our healing journey, we often want to share that. We want to share that because we know just how rewarding the healing journey is. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for what Sierra is doing and how she is sharing her gifts and her experiences in order to make the world a better place. Exactly. It's amazing. It's kind of a domino effect when you feel something or experience something that is positive and has been life-changing, life-altering in immense ways. We want to share that. It's so natural to do that. And she had the tools and the support that she needed to work through her childhood traumas and to unpack and release them so that she could be a healer who is able to show up fully for those that she helps. And she also talked about one of the hugest traumas that she deals with, even still today, 
having a silent learning disability, which is dyslexia. And she talked about how she kept that to herself for over 40 years and no one knew about it. There's a trauma that comes with being African-American. There's trauma that comes with being a woman. And then there's just trauma that comes with lived experiences and not always having all of the pieces to how the world works. I came from very humble beginnings, and there were a lot of pieces that were missing. And when I decided to go to spiritual school, there were opportunities throughout those two years to heal those areas within myself and to heal it on that particular level, because the healing process is where you may heal everything you feel exists on this level. But when I choose to, as a person, my choice to grow and continue to expand, that same issue may come up, but on a different level. And so where I am and where I was at that particular time, I was able to heal a lot of childhood trauma, having a learning disability, being extremely dyslexic and living 40 years and no one ever knowing that. I had never spoken it to anyone and living life like that. And it was through my spiritual process, I was able to heal that on such a deep level that I was asked and commissioned to write a poem for a disabilities conference to speak about invisible disabilities, which dyslexia is one of those. And I did that by first acknowledging that I was hiding and that I had fear. I speak for a living. I'm a poet. All of the things that I do in life, it felt that it could hurt me if folks knew that I was dyslexic or I had a learning disability. And it was me growing into a person to realize that, as you said, you do this work to heal other women. And for folks to see me showing up in the world and I can share that I attended Rice State University and got both of my master's, got my first master's degree and received the support I needed and then aid other people in making some of those choices. But I could never do any of that. I couldn't support young people who were in elementary school or junior high or high school who wanted to really give up and quit because they saw the world differently. And then when I had the opportunity to heal that and then connecting with so many amazing actors and actresses and celebrities who are dyslexic and geniuses and pointing that out to young people that you don't have to give up on wanting to be an engineer or a scientist or whatever because you see the world differently and then having tools to share with them and ways for them to show up in the world. And one of those ways is saying, I'm choosing not to do a project and a person is saying it's due in a week. That's not going to work for me. I need more time. I need to process it. So not setting myself up to lose versus saying I'm missing something or they're leaving me out, but just framing the way I need things to be for me and then aligning with those sorts of things. It was very helpful. When she acknowledged that she was in hiding and had fear, she was able to overcome it by saying, hey, I need to heal this thing because I need help. And so by making those adjustments, she now knows what tools she needs in place to manage her disability in order for her to still show up her best possible and still be able to help others, which I think is so courageous. 
I'm sure that most people would not have guessed that when you say silent disability. I mean, Sierra is an amazing poet, writer, speaker, all of these things. And it's amazing how often we feel as if being honest about the struggles that we have overcome will somehow diminish our successes, when in the truth is, it makes her successes even more amazing and open the door to other possibilities, but also just allows hope, allows teaching, allows so many other things to flourish in that courageous vulnerability. Just, I'm in awe. Truly a powerful woman. She really is. And when she shared that with me, I was just like, I would have never known. I don't think anybody would have ever known. That's another thing. A lot of times we have these traumas and these triggers and we're so afraid, like fear keeps us in bondage from sharing with people because of how they will respond with people would never know unless we tell them. And then when we do share the beautiful part about it, I think you and I both have experienced it, have talked about it before, has been people receive our trauma and the things that keep us held down in fear with so much grace and so much support and so much love and compassion, which really does build that bond of vulnerability and transparency and constant or consistent sharing back and forth. A lot of times that fear is just, it's an illusion. Because to your point, I think it's amazing how God still blesses us with the things that are a disability or a setback or some type of a flaw, right? He still uses it for good. And he still uses it for us to bless other people and to help other people. And so that is Sierra's story, which is amazing because, again, she's dyslexic, but she speaks for a living. She has several businesses. She's a poet, a commission poet. She's won a governor's award. It's just amazing how when you acknowledge that you have a fear and you have a trauma and you accept it, you're able to move into how do I improve this? How do I heal from this? How do I manage it so that I can have a healthier life? I think it's amazing. The opposite of that, the idea that because someone is successful, that it has been a quote unquote easy road also. I think we need to acknowledge that we often don't know what people have overcome to get to where they are today. And for how many years did Sierra look like a poster of something and to realize that all that time that she was having all of these successes, she was also carrying this trauma, this challenge. What a testament to her, but also a lesson for us to treat each person that we encounter with grace, without assumption. That is easy because we often don't know what the challenges are behind the scenes. So she first gave herself permission to become aware of her traumas, then to acknowledge them as truth and that things needed to change, then to accept the experience or experiences that were had and that she's actually able to live differently. She doesn't have to stay there. It is your awareness first, you acknowledging and being aware that I have a trauma I want to heal. And in that awareness, you can then acknowledge the trauma itself in the way you will want to heal it. Is it through therapy? Is it through a self-care process? Is it through a releasing process? You can decide, I get to heal this. And then from that awareness and that acknowledgement, you can grow and accepting that you had the experience 
and that you get to live differently beyond that experience. And when you do those three things, you can then really take on the fourth A, which is application and action. So four or five A's there. You can take that on and do the work. How do I want to apply this? What actions can I take? And what steps? And my advice would be to anyone doing this work to take baby steps, very small steps, if you do not want a setback. And when you do have a setback, get back up and keep going. But I would really just advise you to be as gentle as you possibly can with yourself because healing trauma is a lifelong process. As you are implementing the four A's, and again, they are awareness, acknowledgement, acceptance, and application, take baby steps. And if the setbacks happen, pick yourself up and keep moving forward. I can resonate with that advice because I think we experience that on the healing journey. There's going to be setbacks. There's going to be times where we drop the ball or where we don't feel like doing the work. And that is okay because we have to have grace with ourselves because it is hard. Change management is very difficult. But we do have to be intentional about when those setbacks occur to get back up on the horse and to keep moving forward so that we can continue the journey and not get stuck in a new space of fear or isolation or whatever the case may be. And so I thought it was really great that she did advise, though, taking small steps, baby steps, because you don't have to take these large leaps. I don't even think we can take large leaps when we're figuring things out about ourselves because it's just too much to handle. It's too much to digest and to unpack and to accept. It takes time. It really is a journey. So hopefully people will hear that and know that it's okay to have the setbacks and absolutely take baby steps. You just have to start and keep moving forward. I asked Sierra where her healing journey has led her, what she's manifested as a result. First of all, I've manifested a peaceful night's rest. And that is a beautiful thing. (laughs) And when I mean peaceful night's rest, we're talking not checking your cell phone until you fall asleep. (laughs) We're talking about not waking up with your cell phone in your hand. We're talking about rest and peace. As Lisa, I can't think of her last name right now, but she said the first like that she wants to give herself when she wakes up is I like myself. I don't need to go on social media. I got to think of her last name, but she's quite famous. So everyone knows her. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so I think my healing journey has led me to be able to show up in the world as my authentic self, as a poet, as a creative catalyst and a leader of urban creative arts in the state of Ohio. Also, my healing has allowed me to be vulnerable, to be okay with not knowing. This world is changing so fast. And I'm so grateful to the young folks who are ensuring that we're moving. And movement is good. It's a good thing. But I'm just so grateful that my healing journey has taught me that love, it can look different. Being married to the same person for many years, you can grow numb. You can grow disconnected. And healing has taught me that you may need to revisit some things along the way. But love is really all there is if I'm not choosing fear. And most importantly for me, healing has taught me that it is definitely okay to let other people have their experience. 
If they want to experience what they're experiencing, that is their choice. And in that choice and choosing, they get to. I don't have to commiserate with them. I don't have to celebrate with them. I don't have to do anything. I can just be who I am. And my healing process is always unfolding. We're always learning something new about ourselves. We don't have to stay stuck where we were. But, and it's funny because what just dropped in my head was one core thing my healing process has taught me without having an intention, I'm definitely going to come up short. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, talk about intention. Intention, intentionality is the best thing that I probably have ever experienced. Yes, it really is. And having your intention, I am being the most powerful words in the world that you ever can speak. And then you're saying, hey, I'm going to be aware or acknowledge this thing or put forth this request of what I need. And then from that space, putting forth that request and then knowing how you want to feel. If you have your list of goals and you don't have any feeling connected to them, I don't know how you're going to get there. You must connect how you want to feel when you get there. And you must take the time to visualize it. I think that's very important. And one aspect of intention that I love is self-compassion. Because what I learned was that in order to ever experience the love we're talking about, you must first have some compassion. And in that compassion is forgiveness. And it's through that process that you find and connect with love. And I think if you have intention, you definitely have love. And that it has taught her that without intention, (laughs) she's definitely going to come up short. And so she has become a very intentional person with being mindful with her words, with her tone, with how she moves and how she dresses. And this is all a result of her healing. She also went on to share that her healing journey taught her not to put herself last. She grew up in a very large family where she had 41st cousins. And as a result of having 41st cousins and 21 aunts and uncles, she had a mentality of growing up in a tribe and acting as a tribe. So when you have that many people in your family, it's not about self, it's about us. I would put myself last as much as my partner would tell me, stop putting yourself last. I thought it was a crime to put myself first. I come from a family where we're better together. My grandmother had 22 kids two sets of twins. I went to high school with 12 of my first cousins. I have 40 first cousins. And so when you grow up where it is about the tribe, it's always been about my tribe. I didn't even need any friends. I had like one or two friends. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all was sick. It was just a crew. Yeah. You didn't need any extra people. You know what I mean? I recall sending my first son to elementary school his first day, and I came home and I cried for like an hour. My husband was like, why are you crying? And it finally dawned on me, like, I can't believe my son's going to school without his cousins. (laughs) 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 And that was so hard for me to accept that people lived without a tribe. I'm not going to say I was taught in that way to put myself last. It was to put the tribe, my family, first. But that transcended into the rest of her life as she grew up and became a mother and a wife and all these things. And she continued the behavior of tribe mentality, which also led to her putting herself last. And so through her healing, she was able to find out and challenge herself to put herself first. 
I can definitely resonate with that. Having grown up the oldest in a large family, also with a whole lot of cousins, the rewards were to put other people first, to serve other people. And in my healing journey, choosing to put myself first often feels a little uncomfortable, but is so necessary. I can absolutely resonate. Which is why I said I am currently in a season of putting myself first. And it's challenging and uncomfortable at times because we're taught to love our neighbors and things like that. But what the healing journey has taught me as well is that we cannot be anything for anyone else if we are nothing for ourselves. And if we don't first love ourselves and nurture ourselves. To that point about getting us and other women to get to a place of putting ourselves first, she shared a funny example of holding our pee all day. If you want to know if you're putting yourself last, the example I give for all women, because men, a lot of men don't do this, is that you hold your pee when you have to go to the restroom. You hold it. You hold it. You hold it. You hold it. And if you want a sign that you're putting yourself last, you're doing that. So if you want to just take one tiny step and putting yourself first, get up, take your ass to the bathroom. <laughs> uh, yes, I love that. You Let me tell you, you speaking to the choir. I don't do that anymore because I now I'm in the practice of like, get up, go to the bathroom. You really have to go. We're not going to keep working. We're not going to keep doing that. So no, it doesn't stop at your generation. Like, we picked that up, too. You know what I mean? Putting everybody before us. And I think now there's a shift. And as we wrapped up the interview, I asked Sierra to share some tips and tools that works for her. And she shared that the number one thing that she does is to set bedtime intentions. I would say the big tip I can give to your community and listeners right now is to set yourself some bedtime intentions. If you're setting bedtime intentions, you're already prepared for the next day. You could have an intention as simple as, I am committed to using my voice so that I feel empowered and elegant tomorrow when I wake up. You can set a bedtime intention for the next three nights, I'm going to bed at nine o'clock, no matter what it is I have to do. I want eight to 10 hours of sleep. Set a bedtime intention, and they're not about bedtime. They're about what you're going to do the next day. It could be about the type of rest you want to get that night. It could be about you waking up and exercising as soon as you wake up. Your gym shoes are by your bedside. It could be you having an amazing prayer process and choosing to pray because I love to pray. Oh, several times a day. But whatever that intention is, it could be you tomorrow when I rise, I'm going to get my banking in order. I'm going to write a letter I've been meaning to write. I'm going to make a phone call. I'm going to deal with my student loans. I'm going to make sure that I map out my meals for the next two days. I am going to take the time to just not be on my phone for 30 minutes. I'm going to leave it in the car for the first 30 minutes when I get home, and then I'll go back and get it. Whatever that is, set a bedtime intention so you rise the next day in purpose. And another thing that I do is that we have a company where we support self-care. It's called Acacia Health and Wellness, where we sell sage products in a spray form. You don't have to burn it, and you can spray it everywhere to recenter and refocus. Because when we smell it, whatever we smell, it sets up that sensory inside of us. 
set some intentions, but most importantly, continue to attempt to put yourself first, not just face forwarding to society and socially, but really, really put yourself first. Yes, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your healing story and journey. Thank you for the tips. Thank you for the sage spray. And guys, I will attest to the spray. I have the Magnolia one and I'm waiting on the next batch. It is wonderful. It gets me right for the day. I spray it around my crown and I sniff the air and I feel centered. I feel at ease and ready to conquer the day. So definitely that product works. But Sierra, we again are so humbled and honored and just ecstatic for you to be here today. Thank you so much for your time and just for your contribution to us creating a safe space for women to have courageous conversations about healing. Yes. And thank you so much for doing the work. It is not easy to choose to show up as a team and provide a space and do all of the production work and just what goes into this process and to provide something that's not going to just be here for a day that folks can come back to. So I thank you for providing this space and it was an absolute honor to be here and share it with you. When I leave here today, I'm going to go set some bedtime intentions. I'm going to be intentional about specifically setting bedtime intentions for the next day. And so it was just such an honor and so great to speak with Sierra about her healing journey, about where it's led her and how it's really helped her to nurture her gifts of helping other people so that she can be a healer for people like myself. And so it was a great interview. And Sierra, we thank you so much for spending your time with us, for sharing your story and for coming on Tears, Ties and Transformation as your first podcast. We are honored. We are humble. And we thank you. Thank you for being with us on Tears, Tides, and Transformation, a podcast about healing. I am Bridget Flaherty. And I am Kiana Daniels. And we will see you next time. I see new life. I see new tides. Carry on through the Transform through the tears, the audacity of you going through it all, the audacity of you trusting self all along. I see.